Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 282. I am Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Sinitsky. Hey, hey that's me. How are you? Good. I was finally able to afford Ann beer. Well, I'm happy to see that. And, and they are old style. I know. Which is like the same price point as Ham's. When you came in, you're like, I have another flavor of inexpensive beer. I'm like, okay. I'm I, curious yeah, I have another is. flavor of subprime beer. There you go. <laughs> that is what it's called. It's called subprime. Um, but really... <laughs> In uh, old style, I would actually. This is on par with Hams, with being part like punching far above its weight. Okay. Um, <clears throat> they're both kind of from the Wisconsin Chicago area, which like seems to be a haven for cheap beer, um, especially anywhere near Milwaukee. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's a haven for cheap beers. Um, but yeah, so old style. It's really good. The only reason it's not my favorite beer is because Hams is literally thirteen dollars for a thirty pack. But you have to convert for like fluid ounces with this because this is a tall boy. So even this is still sixty cents more expensive than the Ham's Tall Boys that were next to it. Oh, I've never seen a Ham's Tall Boy. Oh, the Total Wine has them. Ooh, no. Well, it's gonna be my summer beer then. There you go, Ham's (laughs) Tall Boys. Yeah, uh, but yeah, let's crack them open. They're great. I love them. It's been a while. I like the uh, toil design on the can, which is a toil of beer making. I should know what a toil is as an Toil is a, uh, you know those wallpapers that have like little like small drawings on yeah. them and they tell a little story? Yeah. That's called a toil. Huh. And this is a toil of beer making on the can. That is a lot better than Coors Light. Yeah, it is. It's really, really, really good. It, it uh, tastes better when it's like above 70 degrees. Oh, I like that actually. Yeah. A lot of triples are like that too. Like, like if, if it is above 70 degrees outside, I genuinely think that there's a chemical difference like with how this beer tastes when it's hot outside. Like, Is it cold activated mountains? <laughs> must be. God, what a good beer. I do so like good. old style. When you pulled this and set it on the table, I was visibly excited. I I'm saw sure. that. Yes. I, I it really is a great like beer. Old it, style. It's so good. Um, and also says pure and genuine, which that's good. You know, this it, was knockoff old style means it has know. to be true, but I, I like, if you actually look at the toil on the can. So if you look on the left, you have like medieval, it's like medieval, like, like farmers and... and you have monks and you have monks making beer and then you have a small little German town and then you have more beer. And you have little carts full of beer, and then a man farming while drinking a beer, and I see some that. some men sitting at a table <laughs> drinking beer. This is a good time beer, old style. I love the logo too. Mm-hmm. It just makes me think I'm in a small town in Germany. Even like how they printed it. It's I know. Like, it looks like it was printed <laughs> in the 70s. Like, this can was one of those cans you find in the woods that's been yeah. sitting here for 30 years, but that's, then they resealed it. Yep. No, this is just brand new. <laughs> Such a good beer. Absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you for getting them. Mm-hmm. All right, before we get into topics, briefly want to touch on Patreon. Uh, we do have shirts here, actually, for all the patrons, so let us know if you want that. Come on down, even if you want to be on the show. But uh, anyway, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage on the super cool website. You're going to find three open-ended levels of support, starting at just a buck a month to help us pay hosting costs and to have fun with the show. Patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. All right, you have the first one to. Why don't we have any green lines in OBS next to our name? Uh, because I only white. use one input. Oh, okay. It all comes through. Okay, the I just want. I just wanted to make sure that. Yeah. I wasn't going crazy. <laughs> no, you're not. So Toyota's going to be all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> just moving into the first topic. No, that's totally fine. <laughs> Um, oh, I don't think I have to because it. Koji Sato, the uh, person that took over for Akio Toyota. Yeah, I do remember we were a bit concerned about this last yes, time. Yes, because you, you know he's made some questionable decisions uh, in the past. Yeah. Uh, his, uh, revi- his goal is to revive the Celica. That has been, quote, his life's dream. That's good news because we last saw a Celica in 05 or 06? Uh, yeah, when uh, when uh, Scion took over. And then actually the Scion TC, the TC right. stood for Toyota Celica. Oh. That's actually how they changed it. So th- th- we've had a Celica like equivalent. That's... It's just been hmm. under Scion. So is this new proposed Celica going to mm-hmm. be front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive? Probably front. Okay. Because they already have rear-wheel drive sports cars. True. And, like, it wouldn't make sense to make a Celica, which is a 
two plus two rear-wheel drive sports car when the BRZ FT86 thing exists. That's a fair point. Yeah. So and, I, yeah it's so well-received, too. But, but that being said, let's not sleep on a front-wheel drive sports car. No, like, that can be very good. But if front-wheel drive sports cars were... Something that we took for granted as children because we wanted rear-wheel drive and everybody made a sports car. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that, it, like, you know, looking back on it, like, the Acura Integra, obviously, was, like, the poster child of great front-wheel drive sports cars. But, like, the front-wheel drive Celicas were not bad. No, I and, mean, I've had a lot of fun in front-wheel drive cars. My problem, and I'm sure Toyota is capable of engineering around this, but, like, I really prefer when they're very low horsepower front wheel drive cars. So you don't really notice mm. the front suspension on like a cheaper one not being able to cope very well with the power. Yeah, I mean the other thing is I think it will be plausible that you could see an all wheel drive variant mm-hmm. because now all, yeah all wheel drive is very you know the only people that aren't doing all wheel drive everything is Honda. <laughs> Like, everybody else is doing all-wheel drive. That's because Honda can't do anything right. Honda is, um, they've been hot garbage for every new design since Soichiro Honda died. Yeah. Every fresh design that Honda has had, they've not been able to get right. Because, like, you go, wow, wait a minute, Soichiro Honda died in, like, 1991. And the EK Civic was great. The EM1 was great, right? Right, but those were probably in development. And those were based off of the EF. And then you're like, well, oh, okay, so uh-uh. How about the DC2 Integra Type R, the greatest front-wheel drive car of all time, which was also based off the DA. I was going to say, those are still like the Tinker Toy era. Exactly. But, like, let's see. The new cars that came out after Suitro Honda died is you had the RSX, which blew. You had the EP3 SI, which similarly blue ass the only good thing about the ep3 is the uh, hard point engine accessory donor stuff for yes all the case that, swaps. That, that's exactly it and like <laughs> yes they did get the k series correct that's true but a broken clock's correct twice a day right um so that's the thing is i i don't really the fact that they made the k series they made a great engine does not mean that they are still a great company right and it's not to say that like I dislike Honda. Like, Honda's a very big part of my life. I still love them a lot. It's just that with me, it's similar to if I were to be alive in the 70s and I said my favorite car is an Oldsmobile. Yeah, a 50s Rocket 88 would be sure. my, fav- my favorite car. I do, not want a, I, I do not want a Delta 88. There's a lot of things I want in life, and none of them are a Delta 88. It's awkward being that brand enthusiast yeah. that is aging out of that brand's heyday. Yeah. I no, mean, I you're going thing through that with, with, yeah, BMW. with BMW. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like with, with Honda, like it, it really got bad because Honda was still Honda. Like so the fit was good. Mm-hmm. I want another fit. Um, but that being said is like, it's back to my broken clock metaphor. Like right. it's, it's just, it's think okay. of how much garbage they made just like, to get the, they fit made the door. a fit. But, like, they also recently discontinued it, mind you. And also, that fit was made in 2003. Right. And so the <laughs> one good fit was made in 2003, and then they just kind of based it all off of that one car. But, like, if you look at the vast majority of Honda designs, like, these days, is they aren't what they used to be. And it's, like, it's, you know, it, it, I still appreciate people that like Hondas. Hondas are still great cars, but it's just such a fall from grace. Well, they just have to focus more of their energy now on... Uh, yeah, rockers and B pillars and seat belts and keeping things together. Yeah, correct. These are all problems that they did not have uh, in the eighties <laughs> and nineties. But uh, yeah, so Toyota. I mean, uh, this is the this is the thing is uh, with Akio Toyota, he really helped Toyota, you know, put Toyota on the right path, getting mm-hmm. them back to being able to make a fun car. Because back when the Toyota was like actually making great vehicles in the eighties. They had, I think it was called a 94-point system, where you had, like, at, like every sort of way that a vehicle is measured, from performance to daily usability, mm-hmm. on a score of 1 to 100, it had to get, like, 94 out of 100 for every test. Oh. That and, sounds like Volkswagen Phaeton-style engineering. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, 94 out of 100 from every test means, like, okay, this Corolla needs to be sporty enough to get 94 out of 100 from car and driver. It also needs to have 
the fuel economy to get 94 out of 100 also has to be livable for 94 out of 100. It has to have like 94 out of 100 durability. So like in and every at a way. price point, that still is in line with the Celica exactly. nameplate. Too. Exactly. And so back in the mm-hmm. 80s when Toyota was doing that system, mm-hmm. that's how they were making everything great. And that's why Akio Toyota, when he took the helm, he had uh, all the engineers drive his personal E70 Corolla to put Toyota right on back on that correct path. And I think now that he has righted the ship of Toyota, um, passing the baton over to Koji Sato is a really good move. Also, Koji Sato, um, while still being a middle-aged man, is very young for, um, for, for the position. Because most, what is his age? I think he's like in his 40s. Okay. So he grew up with, like, the 80s and 90s? Yeah, he's like a Gen Xer, but okay. like mo- the thing is, is there were multiple older Gen Xers and boomers that wanted that position that should have received that position under normal Japanese tenure where it's just you age into being a CEO. Okay. But Akio Toyota just bypassed all of that and that was the big problem. Because he had a better idea? Yeah, because 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 uh, Koji Sato was clearly a better fit and he's like not going to pass it on to some bean counter from accounting. <laughs> Good, because Toyota is in this massive resurgence. Exactly, and he wants to keep that going and that's Good. why he wanted to pass this baton when he still could and he would still have the say to do it and the respect of everybody to do that. So it's really cool he did that and it seems that he made the right decision because, uh, yeah, a new Celica sounds 10 out of 10. Especially if they make a GR variant with that Ex- three-cylinder. Exactly. Like even if, they probably Even will. if they just make a front-wheel drive one. Like, yeah. that's still... Well, a, yeah. a sports car is a sports car. I don't care. The powertrain on the Corolla hatch is great, so yeah. it's, it's fine. Yeah, like, all of them are going to be fine. That This is a great thing. I'm very happy for it. So I do like that this is on the path to keeping the momentum going, even if it involves a little bit of nepotism on Toyota's side with the... Yeah, you know, exactly. how they got there. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was nepotism, and now he's actually passing the torch to somebody that actually matters. So he's actually breaking that mold, which is kind of cool. So I like that. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, I want to talk about the LC, well, we'll call it the Supra, the LC500. Yes, um, the, the, the real Supra. Yeah. main reason I pulled this topic isn't really anything to do with the LC500, but I recently had to deal Mind with... Mind you, I also have called this on multiple... Every time I have a chance to say it... This is a perfect car. Yeah. No, you do yeah, that. You this, say that this absolutely is every time. as close to a perfect vehicle as one can get. Yeah. At Cars and Crafts, there was a hardtop one leaving. And I called it a Supra. And the guy's like, thank you. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> an actual Supra. Because Supras are BMWs. Correct. Yes. Anyway. Uh, I just want to talk about their infotainment system. So starting in roughly 2013, mm-hmm. Lexus, and they've never had an industry-leading ha, system. Ha, ha, but ha, ha, not true. Not true. Not true. <clears throat> the first generation... Uh, LS400, when it was called the Celsor in Japan. Celsior, yeah. Uh, that actually had a nav system that hel- holds up with mid-2000s BMWs. True. I've showed you what it looks like. It's incredibly like high definition. I'm gonna, yes, you're right. So they it's had very intuitive by to use. far the best early in the... Yeah, that came out like 91 or 92. That nav system. No, the card. Oh, the, the, the nav car, option the, na- came The nav, later. yeah. It was like 91, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was LC, it was TFT mm-hmm. and it was you know CD based, mm-hmm. just like the three year later BMW system that never improved. So yes, but I'm not going to call that an infotainment system. I'm going to call that a nav system, just for the sake of semantics. But it can. It's fine. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But Lexus, starting in the mid 20 teens, came out with a new version of an infotainment system, and it relied heavily on a trackpad sitting mm. on the top of like a button. That's to navigate all of the menus. So it's basically iDrive. Why don't you just have buttons? It, exactly. And nobody, <clears throat> nobody had a problem with buttons. Cor- correct. And then eventually they started making that trackpad into a clickable trackpad so you could use it as buttons. And then they turned it into a directional toggle, but they left the trackpad. However... It should be buttons. <clears throat> the 2024 LC is the first product bringing them out of the trackpad era. And Good. And I do want to say... I recently had to deal with my boss's wife's 2023 NX350, and it has the touchpad control. I accidentally changed menus in that nav system just by having my arm on the armrest and the like the corner of the back of my arm brushing against it. So this is a welcome change, and I'm glad that their best product in the Lexus brand is spearheading it because this will trickle down to all the other ones. But That's holy crap, fantastic that, that system changing. was aggravating to no end. 
great vehicle, but like, oh my god. Please and thank you. This is like that pop-up nav system that was in the Aston Martins and Volvos in the early 2000s. It was oh, God. Really it rise out of this. The, so <clears throat> navigation systems that rise out of the dashboard, yeah. that, that is based and that is the correct way to do a navigation system. because when it's obsolete, you leave it hidden. Exactly. Or if you're not using it, you don't have a bright screen to, like totally blinding you from the rest of the road. Yep. Um, however... Yeah, I, that that was not well implemented in Aston Martin's uh, point. However, yeah, no, I'm really happy about this. This is good. This was the only liability that this car had. Otherwise, well, yeah, on the transmission, but uh, I mean, it's it, it's 2023, dude. I, I I can't I can't I can't be mad at every car that has an automatic. Don't worry, I'll do that. For I, you. I lost that fight. I will do that for you. I, I I absolutely lost that that battle. I lost that war. I give up. I'm not gonna win it. That's why I'm here. Don't worry. I'm going to sit here and enjoy my Luxo barges. And, God, you can get with a blue interior. Your that PLC. Really, that looks really tits with a blue interior. Did you scroll down and see the blue interior? It looks really good. I really like this car a lot. I have to go really slow with this trackpad, as you know, because it's a piece of junk. This hey, is... another hatred thing on trackpads. They suck. God, I love these cars so much. I'm sorry. I need to move on to the next <laughs> topic because I will look at an LC500 for the rest of the day. Um, that is like my modern day finisher car. It, it takes a lot of those. Oh, there's the blue interior. It takes a lot of those '80s personal luxury coupe vibes. Yeah, and brings them. It, no, right it back. really like it, it takes like what the Toyota Sora was mm-hmm. and just makes it like perfect. Mm-hmm. It is a cross between a Supra and a Sora. Yeah. Anyway, um, Estonia has figured out how to correctly yes. do autonomous deli- uh, delivery and autonomous vehicles correctly and it's adorable holy crap and holy shit the cleavon one is really cute um is that what it's called it's called a cleavon <laughs> uh it, it's estonian i can't i can't do so much about the name but uh so it's an autonomous delivery vehicle it's cute as hell mm-hmm. it's small it's electric uh and it most importantly doesn't kill any jobs wow they are remotely driven oh okay from so th- a you have to have a cdl to drive them okay and then they're just remotely driven. What? Okay, so what does that save? What does that save for the company if they still have to pay a driver? Well, they don't have to pay for as much insurance because they don't have a human in the vehicle. Okay. They that don't have to have a big truck. Up. They don't have to pay him to okay. lift things up because no, air conditioning. The, okay. the customer <laughs> has to get up. the car out of it. Has to get the package out of it. What's to stop me from taking ever other person? Oh, because package. they lock. Oh. So you have different compartments. Okay, and so it's it, like it, one of those Amazon kind of, yeah, yeah, and then you have to go and grab your little thing out of it. It's very cute. <laughs> what um, if you're not home? It, it's for businesses, mm. really. Yeah. So um, also in like Estonia, it's like you can like have something delivered to your work. What this is for is for that last mile delivery, which so is like a big deal. The yeah. equivalent of an Amazon van. Sure. Yeah. So this is what's really cool about these. These weigh 320 kilograms when they're empty. They weigh really light. Nothing. So even if they do hit somebody, they're not going (laughs) to hurt them. (laughs) But they're not going to wear out the road. It's true. It'll be easy on tires. The only liability I can think of with this is the fact that, you know, back in like the 2000s, drunk British people in Amsterdam would pick up smart cars and dump them in the river. I sure do. I feel like an enterprising thief could just nick the whole truck. Yeah, if it's only 800 pounds. Yeah, just nick the whole truck, dump, <laughs> dunk the front in water so everything's broken, and then just take everything out of it. Done. <laughs> That's the only liability to this vehicle. I think it's going to be pretty obvious when they find that guy, and he's put a steering column into one of these, <laughs> and he's driving it to work. He's, like, sitting on top of it, and he's, like, got his little hands inside the windshield. Where have you found that? <laughs> well, I built it. <laughs> Give it back, so, mate. they have a 50-kilometer-per-hour um, top speed. <laughs> So they're also like literally just made for inner city delivery, uh, and they have a forty-two kilowatt hour battery with an eighty kilometer range. That's a really impressively large battery for how little that thing weighs. Yeah, exactly. That's actually really cool. And then the eighty kilometer range Jeez. is for the size exactly how long you need to go. Because what it's going to do is this would be for if you have like a small delivery hub for a neighborhood. And you just drop things off at your businesses. I'm surprised the range isn't better than that because it's all city and 42 kilowatt hours with this kind of weight. You should be doing 660 plus. I miles. imagine they probably have it made the way it is, so it's not terribly expensive. So you can actually get it for fleet sales. Gotcha. And also for ease of maintenance and reliability. Huh. 
Man, kind of like, super cute though. Yeah, kind of like how I can two JZ can can make seven hundred horsepower. Okay, but they choose to make three hundred. I yeah, gotcha. So it's like that. They're limiting it. Just I to think make they're it limiting last. it so you don't like fry the batteries and you don't. Yeah. But it's so, so it'll cute. last forever. I yeah. know. And there's a little white one I scrolled down to. And Look at him. So, yeah, they're made to order. And what they are is they're basically just a skateboard with a windshield. I love the useless windshield. It doesn't I know, need to be there. Right? I was just thinking, like, uh. There's no point for that windshield. <laughs> it's so cute. It's just there to make it better. Um, it's, but, yeah, basically what you get is you get a skateboard with a windshield and a little frame and some headlights and brake lights and wheels and brakes. <laughs> And a camera. Um, ah, and brakes. Yes. I see. I see. But yeah, they <laughs> they make them to order, and you can like customize everything. So like, if you are delivering food, you can have a refrigerated or a heated truck. So like, if you're like, if you're like, if it's like a bread van, cool. and you're delivering groceries or something. Yeah, yeah like if if it's like a bread van, and you're you work at you know a a, a bread baker, <laughs> a bakery, a bakery. <laughs> That's the word. <laughs> You work at a bread place, bread factory. I'm sorry. I, when I originally uh, read about this, I read about it on Deutsche Welle, and I had to read it in German. So I'm like, <laughs> in my head, I had to say like, ah, yeah, bread maker. I brought <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's that's why it is the way it is. Um, but anyway, if you're if you're like a bakery, you can get a heated container. Oh, man. So if you're if your bakery so making like arti- artisanal bread for like your local deli, yeah. yeah, you just put put it in the heated truck and then they drive it to the deli. It's hot and fresh for the deli. Brilliant. Or you can get an air conditioned one. Now I'm understanding why they leave so much battery on the table. Exactly, because there's so many different things you can use. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a really cool truck, um, and yeah, I absolutely <laughs> love it. Like this thing's like perfect. Why, why? don't we have this? Well, Actually, sorry, no, we do have this. They've delivered. Two trucks to the United States for last mile deliveries. Uh, who owns them? Somewhere in Pennsylvania. Huh. But they, they are coming to the United States. So how long until we can buy one of these as a pleb and then put a steering column in it and use it as a daily? I have no idea, and I want it to be now. Because yeah. this is a perfect vehicle. This is put a little pickup truck. This on the answers back there. my. This is what I need. Like yeah. my my problem with my car is I hate driving the Target. I can just order something online on Target, drive this to the to the order pickup from from your computer from my computer, and just be like, yeah, put it in the boot. They put it in the back, and I drive off. Brilliant. I wish you the best of luck getting your CDL. I'm so excited. Well, no, it's only <laughs> it's only CDL if it is for commercial delivery. Because oh. that is for Estonian insurance purposes okay. for their businesses. So really, I guess you could privately own one without a problem. They'll just make you one. But Hopefully it, like, the uh, driving software package is open source. I imagine mm. you could also probably just put a cabin in there and have a laptop and like a PS2 controller. I now really want to be able to hook one of these up to my sim rig and use it to like drive to a store. And just put the sim rig so in good. the vehicle. <laughs> You don't even need a steering column. Dude, I would get so motion sick. <laughs> It'd be great. Oh, oh, I need some windows. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you could make it with just windows. You could make it so it's just a seat and a sim rig. It doesn't even need to be a sim rig. You just make an Oculus Rift and a seat on top of the, the skateboard, and then you can have a perfect vehicle. It's got a little windshield for you and everything. Oh, That's why the windshield's there. Oh, my God. It's for private sales. They're just thinking ahead. Yeah, they are. For when that thing is. Yeah, I love I, this. That's true. That's for when the fleets have to get yep. rid of them someday. Yeah, the, the Cleavon 1 is like 100 out of 10. This is oh a perfect God. vehicle. And you know the battery's going to be in perfect condition. Yeah, because they just like. They, they locked they off 90%. Yeah, they sandbagged <laughs> it so hard. Like, it's just going to last forever. 42 kilowatt hours, five available. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So you're allowed to go from 48% to 62%? Yep. Correct. To be, you know, also that 42 kilowatt hours, I imagine the 80 kilometer range is like 80 kilometers inside a Latvian city center during winter. Yeah. Worst At possible. Case. Worst possible condition, you get 80 kilometers. I'm sure With in some summer. Very sensitive baguettes in the back. Yeah. I'm sure in summer you're probably like 200 out of it. I also like the idea of seeing one of these dual long range deliveries. You see this little guy just like scooting down a side road in like rural Estonia delivering like milk. You know, <laughs> some of the people hired to drive those things are going to be enthusiasts. Oh, absolutely. You're going to see one just hustling through some If back I roads. ever have to move to Estonia, I'm getting a CDL <laughs> so I could drive this. This is great. Like, Brian, what do you do for work now that you moved here? Funny I'm you a, should ask. I'm a CDL driver. Right this way. I drive a Cleavon 1. It's small, cute, and electric. <laughs> This is great. This, <laughs> this den full of like 
Oh, no, I'm not even going to go there. Yeah, no. I picture it just like the music video. <laughs> exactly. It, no, it's going to be just like the Donnie Benet Kanishi one music video. It's going to be me. Yeah, just like that. But, like, <laughs> it's just a perfect vehicle. I absolutely love it. And I also especially really enjoy that electric vehicles, instead of going, like, edgy and, like, angry headlights, like, on Jeeps and, like, gas cars, they're cute and fun and approachable. Like, that's good. I, I want like that. Faces. Give me a cute, fun, fun, approachable car. Like, I don't want angry headlight Jeep. I <sighs> don't want like a Dodge Challenger. Like, well, yeah, that's a good point. I, I love electric vehicles because they don't have to poop. Yeah, like I like a happy little car. Like that's how I like my Fiat. That's why I bought it. It's a happy little car. So, man, it's just a stylish little thing. It's fun. It's smoky. Yeah. It has personality. Yeah, no, it's it's not 2003 anymore. Everything doesn't need to be angry. Uh, anyway. Talk, speaking of 2003 and angry. Yes. Uh, I have been looking at TVRs with Scott for, for some time. So Funny enough, this Darren almost bought one. with his What did he almost buy? He almost bought a TVR with his Honda Beat money. Was that like a Cerbero or something? Uh, no, it was a TVR Griffith. Mm. Is that one of the I 90s ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they I, only had a couple models in the early 90s. And, yeah. yeah, it was one of the 90s era models. And he was going to, he was thinking about buying that. And then he found like the world's stinkiest Mustang. And he's like, this Mustang's perfect because it looks like it just like came out of a field. But the guy like went through it and did like, <laughs> it's just it's a perfect spec like Mustang. Yeah. Is it's like it's a two eighty nine four speed limited what slip year? rear end, like a sixty eight. Oh, okay. So one of the first yeah, like, gen a, like an OG Mustang. Like the guy went through all of the brake system. Like went through the whole. Oh, fuel so it's system. actually good. Like no, literally every single like the entire electrical system was like either like everything that needed to be done to the electrical systems and taken care of. That okay, that, okay, that's that's great. That's like a resto mod that nobody rest or mod. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it, just it, a, it's it's just it, it is a totally refurbished perfect car, and it's like all I the like correct you mods. Use the yeah. refurbished yeah. word there because you have to for yeah, and that's just how I think now. <laughs> right. But it's like a totally refurbished perfect car, <laughs> so and like this is like I would take a refurbished car like this over a restored car that costs like ten oh, times as much to somebody decide to and paint it's it. Just stinky enough where you can use it every day, guilt free. Yeah, and he's like, it won't get stolen. Because it looks like shit. Right. It looks like you're not going to go anywhere, and it's great. So what? He, Meanwhile, bumps yeah. the key immediately. Wet idling. Exactly. Yeah. So his friend isn't quite done enjoying it. So he bought a Tremendous. Alfa Romeo uh, GTV. Oh God! Um, what a brave soul. In similar condition. Oh, okay. So it's been but, looked uh, over by like yeah, yeah, <laughs> and immediately started doing uh, speaker fuel injection stuff as soon as it got oh, to the driveway. Oh, speaker! God. Yeah. And so Darren's like, I'm really happy I'm not owning this car for a long time. And I'm very happy that my friend wants to enjoy this ownership because I could not long-term own this vehicle. And this is coming from a person that owns a Pusho. Yeah, no, dude. <laughs> Spica is, you, you are a special kind of masochist if you own a car and maintain that. Yeah, no. It's worse than Kugelfischer. It's an like Italian say, Kugelfischer. It's literally Italian Kugelfischer. Oh. It is so bad. So Yeah, what could go wrong with Bakelite fuel lines and a metering device that just gets corroded by every type of fuel ever? Yeah, and no, like, one it, person that rebuilds them. Yeah, no, as I say, it's, um, I've, I've had to like work with these at work and seeing... That whenever I see a car, like whenever I get Alfa Romeo, the first thing I do is I scroll down to like, I, I like open up the photo gallery, Control F, Photo 100, <laughs> which roughly gets me to where the engine photos are. If I see Spica fuel injection, I know it's just, I know there's gonna be 800 photos gallery, and the next 400, the next like 600, are gonna be just fuel injection invoices that are out of order and not redacted. Yeah. Great. Absolutely. Super. And they will have all been in the last five years. Like all four, like, <laughs> With the current owner. Ev- yeah. Yes, every single one will yep. matter. It's not going to be like, here's every oil change I've had in this car since I bought it new. Right. No, no. These are going to be all things I actually have to include in the <laughs> listing and redact and actually deal with. So, yeah. No, uh, it is a very crystal <clears throat> injection system. And this that's... guy that made this Mustang, um, that's going to be his next thing, is he wants to do the exact same thing with an Alfa Romeo. So okay. this Alfa that Darren got is like, it, it's been very well maintained. It's got a huge stack of receipts, but sure. it's also still a late seventies Alfa. Even if you are an Alfa Romeo tech from Italy that was working in dealers when those cars yeah. were new, you still struggle with them. No, it, it's a card to struggle with. That's yeah. what that is. That is not a around the country road trip car, mm-hmm. but I appreciate people. Still, the Mustang is though. Yeah. I believe and that Darren will happily have this Mustang. 
sometime this this summer. So God, Darren has such an eclectic taste for cars. It really is. Yeah. No, he's got an incredible number of vehicles. So. Anyway, back to stinky cars that are questionable decisions. Uh, the TVR Tuscan, which came a yes. bit later in the 90s. I, I like the Tuscan. It had iridescent paint. It did. Almost all of them had some sort of yep. weird chameleon paint. But like that's when the styling started to get really funky with like those drilled aluminum hole trim it. pieces. Yeah. It's fantastic. No, it's when they lost their mind, yeah. Well, oh, I mean, yeah. TVR's never been a real company. But it's like when the design started going bananas yeah it went from well, like i'm kind of a c5 to holy actually to be fair tvr in the 80s and in the 70s tvr's always had just bananas designs and they've I always like the been like that... a barely functioning car company oh yeah when you're drawing that many gentlemen sausages inside of the car during production yeah there are going to be oversights yeah but this was this really marked a pivotal move when tvr kind of they had some money from new investments mm-hmm. and their styling department was clearly finding the really good drugs yeah so the tuscan was the first one that really set off this craze for the next eight years before they went like fully bankrupt ending in the sagaris but this car Ground up, new chassis, new body, and a new powertrain. So previously, TVR had been using largely the Cologne V6 and the Rover V8. Yes. But this car was supposed to be shipped with two bespoke TVR engines, the Speed 8, which is a new twin-cam race-derived 8-cylinder, and then also a budget or entry-level twin-cam ITB 3-liter straight 6. That sounds great. What did that come from? It was a brand new... Ground up straight They six. actually made that? They did, but they contracted with an actually good engineering company. That's actually really cool. I just assumed that it was going to be like, you're going to tell me it was a 2JC with like nope. uh, a lotus cylinder head. The something. reason why it had to be ground up, and this was developed basically at the same time as BMW's S54, they intended to have a 4-liter range topper mod, uh, model, and in order to do that, they needed the bores to be cavernous, just absolutely huge. That's awesome. The only problem is, although this engine, if you retroactively go back and look at the first-gen blueprints, is perfect. Yeah. Even with a really long crank, they were able to smooth out the harmonics and everything like that. Last minute, TVR unfortunately had to change a bunch of stuff to make it producible at yeah, as a say, budget. I was going to say, this is not a big brand. This is a, barely, this is a brand that's similar to Lotus. Yeah, um, they don't have a budget. Have you seen Lotus's VIN tags? Yes. They're literally 3D, or they're not even 3D. They're, stickers. they're literally label maker stickers yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that have adorable. been clear coated over. Yeah. Yes. Because Emilio bought one, and I still love finding new stickers. I bet if you buy an Amira, it's the same thing. Yeah. Even today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to describe this in the easiest the, it, way possible. One second. So, okay. Lotus looks like Lotus to TVR. Lotus is like Toyota. They're huge. Oh, yeah. They are so successful. Oh, yeah. What the fuck were they thinking? Uh, <laughs> well, that's why they're interesting, right? Yeah, it's true. But anyway, this well, actually six. one second. Never mind what was TVR thing. Who the fuck invested in TV? Who looked at TVR and said, "Yeah, I'm putting my, I'm parking my money there." Drugs. What the had fuck? to be a lot of drugs. It literally had to be a money laundering operation. Yeah, but they just decided. The well, we have to run the front, so we may as well have some fun with it. What the fuck? But like the engine, because TVR bankrupt an oligarch. Oh, they yeah, that was later. That was yeah. the Russian business boy that bought this after the Tuscan. Yeah, I know, I, I know. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like this is the same company that bankrupted an oligarch. This is my this is my English Avon time moment. But that the Speed Six engine became the North Star. It was a fantastic engine with no problems, and a couple things were changed at the last minute that just made it unreliable. Mm-hmm. So they ended up shortening the crankshaft making the bores smaller that changed all the, the gear driven cams to a they multi-timing chain all of it basically it's not, not just the some. same engine not just some they'd completely redesigned the engine yeah like the figure followers are problematic you can still make one reliable but it's it's like a north star where you got to time sir all the block rules and stuff like that it's amazing how badly they butchered the delivery of this engine and it's still fantastic and you could still get a four liter one in the later cars and by the time the sagaris came out they put a gm v8 ls yeah 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 Yeah. you know as one does yeah yeah balancer on the front and that kind of helped save the crank because the torsional load was just eating bearings higher up in the rev range but like it makes me want one of these even more yeah, this with is a, the Speed Six, this is a wacky vehicle. Oh, it's tremendous! But yeah, I, I love wacky vehicles like this. It's, it's, it's I like big purple phallus. 
They have always made absolutely fantastic vehicles. And my, and my favorite era of TVR, I think more so than the 90s, because the 90s are actually good. And there's something about me yeah, with, good, with good cars where I, it, it makes me appreciate them less because I'm like, good, you actually did the thing. But what, where did you come from? What, what was the point in which you're like, <laughs> we're going to upgrade to make this? And that's when you get to 80s TVR, and that is a very cursed place. And honestly, that was... They, if you get one that's running, that should be okay. Because yeah. like both the engine platforms, it's they just were a Pinto using, engine. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the yeah, the Cologne V6. Say what you will, it had oiling issues in corners, but nobody these never ran long enough to have cornering oil issues. Or it was the Rover V8. By that time, it was the '90s, the late '80s. That engine had been around for 30 years. They fixed it. Well, the the only issues with the Rover V8 were Lucas based. So as long as you get rid of the Lucas things, it's fine. Yeah. Just like, put a carb on it, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Like when, we, <laughs> when you put an actual carburetor on it, it's a great engine. So yeah, like an early like an early nineties Cerbera five liter. Perfectly fine. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, like and uh well even they made their older cars like the two fifty M's and stuff like that. But the one I'm thinking of is the two eighty I. That's the one that I really like. That's got a that's Cologne V six. Yep, yep. Yeah. And it oh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. it is just peak eighties. And that, yeah, it's basically just a re... Uh, it looks like a TR7, but slightly less bad looking. It's a good... This is what the TR7 was supposed to be. Like, yeah, it's if this very was the TR7, good. I think it would have sold better. Yeah, that's a brilliant vehicle. And then they also have the 250M, which is great. Like, yeah, all their old cars were great. Like, TBR never made a bad-looking vehicle. No, yeah, no. They Especially of their era, they were so No, they were so really, really, really good. And, like, also, like, they were able to, like, weather the malaise very well. Because their thing was, they just, everything was light. Yeah. Like, doesn't matter. the Lotus, you, you, you know. You can make 100 horsepower. It'd be fun if the car weighs 1,000 pounds. Like, How are you doing that? C- composites. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. Bass boating material. So, um, I... Want to talk about another Toyota topic? Actually, Do it up. Um, I have a link down here. Uh, from, it's up. from Deutsche Welle, so don't play the video. Copyright strike. <laughs> Thanks, Deutsche Welle. Um, but this was very interesting because I'd not heard this take on why they're doing a hybrid, not an electric Corolla. Okay, and this is actually brilliant because you know they have their um, electric cars that they're making for the United States. Yep. Now, finally, um, but they're keeping the Corolla uh, hybrid because this is the most commonly sold car in the world and when when toyota makes their global platforms they'll make the basic drivetrain and running gear and then you'll change the bodywork per market if needed um that's how they keep things uh cheap and there's a lot of places that this car sells that don't have reliable electricity so afghanistan really any stan country um Rural, Tajikistan. Yeah, rural Tajikistan. Uh, rural Africa, um, Azerbaijan, um, Russia, maybe. Not anymore. They but, don't have electricity anymore. Yeah, and they don't sell them there anymore. But, I mean, at some point Putin's going to die and they'll sell them again. Yeah. Um, then we'll finally get the damn Uazi Patriot. Yes. Uh, Eastern Europe, uh, rural, again, rural, <laughs> South America. There's a lot of places where having an electric car does not make sense. Because, like, if your car runs out of electricity in the Amazon, you're going to be eaten by something. You're not going to live. There'll be a tree that eats you or something. There's all, everything is carnivorous in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. So you would prefer to have a hybrid over an electric. I would just assume have a diesel at that point. Yes, but if you were buying a Corolla you'd want the hybrid over the electric. And that's actually why they're doing that. It's actually really pragmatic. I n- never thought of that. And that's what this is talking about. I was like, yeah, an electric is great, but like they'll get around to it. But what they're going to concentrate on is having the best possible battery, having the best possible electric everything while mm-hmm. still having that, uh, that ice engine like there. No, the, Toyota, to their credit, has nailed mild hybrids. Oh, yeah, and, the, and they, they keep expanding on it. And mm-hmm. so the new Corolla, they have modern battery technology, so you can mm-hmm. literally just remove the engine and still have a perfectly feasible EV. Yep. But they keep that gas engine there so you don't have range anxiety, and so you won't get kidnapped and taken away by Boko Haram. And that's great. I think that's actually really brilliant. And that's something that I think a lot of people, when they say, oh, Toyota isn't doing enough, Toyota's stuck in their time, they aren't really thinking about just how giant, how much of a juggernaut 
Toyota is in the car world and the fact that like, yeah, cool. Enjoy your Tesla here where the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you're going to have to walk past a cow to get to your local gas station to get a tow truck. That's way too expensive where they might haze you a little, but like if your shit breaks down in like rural Molly, you are going to die. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a thing near you. There's no water near you. Again, everything is carnivorous and you're, (laughs) you're going to die. So yeah, having having something where you can just put a spot of gas into it and make it a couple more miles until you actually make it somewhere to the kind of oasis or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Jesus Christ! No, but it's not just other markets, and I think I mean Toyota is a publicly traded company. Yeah. They, they follow sales. Yes. They do their research, and it's not just Molly or Bali, whatever yeah. the hell it is. Like even. In the first world, not even just here, yeah. where they sell Toyota products, oh, yeah. the vast majority of people buying a cheaper new car don't have a single-family home. No. And plugging in, it's a pain in the ass. It's a huge pain in the ass, yeah. And so that's and, why like, the mild hybrid kind of makes sense for those people because they still live in the city, so oh, yeah. they will benefit from electrification, but they just have no interest in plugging this thing in. And we're not quite there getting a full electric vehicle with a big enough battery cheap enough. Yeah, exactly. Because they still have to hit their price points. We talked about this with the Celica. There's also another thing here is like what what I was talking about is the fact that most people that fault Toyota for just doing mild hybrids, they don't think about the fact that other places in the world and other people have a different existence than themselves. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has the luxury of being able to plug in your shit. Sometimes you live in Missouri (laughs) where plugging in your shit will just result in some dickhead in a truck unplugging your car. And driving away because he's a dick. Small dick. Yeah. But that's, you know, the thing that you're not going to have with the mild hybrid girl. So, I am actually. Brilliant. I'm here for it. The, the whole, I get it. And I'm not going to fault anyone for buying a mild hybrid, a regular combustion vehicle, electric, whatever. Working right now, the GLS, mm-hmm. my parents' big Mercedes thing. Well, who cares? It's still having air suspension issues. I drove that thing for like five days with the pothole issue. Fixed everything. My mother took it on an airport run. Suspension collapsed. Again. It's all brand new. I'm like, trade this thing in. So like, well, they don't need a vehicle just to pull the boat because we can use my car. But they're still those people. We're like, well, we're going to get something that can pull the boat. But I'm like, all right, you have the luxury right now where you have charging infrastructure in your home garage. Yes. It makes no sense to not get a mild or a plug-in hybrid or yeah. an electric vehicle. But I started doing some research with Scott the other day, our oldest patron. Mm-hmm. We didn't come up with much. It's like the XC90T8, mm-hmm. that's a plug-in, has a good enough towing capacity to handle that. Other than that, you're limited to like really You know what I would actually look at? What? Australian towing capacity. Oh, I have been. And so the reason I say that is American towing capacity versus Australian towing capacity, they have different standards. European, too. Yeah, but I mean, specifically Australian. So for instance, a... A Subaru Crosstrek is rated for 1,500 pounds of towing capacity in the United States. Such a joke. A Subaru Impreza is rated for none. Yep. In Australia, a Subaru Impreza is rated for 500 kilograms. Okay. And a Subaru Crosstrek is rated for 500 kilograms. Okay. So, it is... You know for a fact that Subaru uh-huh. did not just put shittier brakes onto their car. Correct. Yeah. No, it's, they have different testing parameters. Right. So what I, what I was to say was, look at if there's a car where you're like, this is strange, just can't tow. Right. Look at what the Australian version of that vehicle is rated for and see what that can tow for. And I just look at the Westfalia site because they always have their tow bars listed and they always have a towing capacity for those cars. That is true, but that's only for vehicles that have Westfalia which is everything I buy has a oh, yeah, hitch point. available. But yeah, so that's something I learned back like when I was selling Subarus. I had somebody Crazy, that it? wanted an Impreza <laughs> sedan but wanted towing capacity. Yeah. And I'm like not going to lose a sale over this. I'm like, this seems stupid to me that there isn't a towing like rating for this vehicle. Model S has no official towing capacity. It's a Model X. No, it'll tow everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it, it's so. baloney, but I, that's a good point. Look at other markets where that exact vehicle... And also, yeah, that exact vehicle where they're going to have similar crash test ratings. Australia, I say, yep. because they have very, very, very similar crash test ratings, actually stricter crash test ratings than us, because mm-hmm. they actually implemented uh, catch 
uh, or sorry, latch releases for uh, child seats. They implemented those uh, four years before we did. No, six years before we did. Because they implemented them in 1995. Uh, They were put into law for the 1995 model year in in 1994. But we ended up getting them, putting it into law in 2001 because all of our cars were just coming over with the Australian latch mechanism. Right. And we're like, wow, this is actually pretty great. So why handy. isn't this why isn't this mandated? <laughs> and so yeah, it was actually the Australian market that led that. So I would actually look, yeah, consider Australian markets of if you see something, it's like, ooh, you know what? And yeah. Australia says I can tow this much. I you can probably tow it in America. Yeah, as well. I mean yeah, hundred percent. Australia like, and the UK and stuff like that, like those trailers by law are braked on their own and not all trailers are in this country. So there are some differences and we tend to tow a lot faster here, but still, if it says the car will do it, you should be okay. And also like with the Impreza thing and the Crosstrek, Subaru literally just did not tow rate the Impreza. They did not have the NHTSA do the rating for it. (laughs) So it would push people into the Crosstrek. It's a very cursed thing that they did uh, because every Crosstrek sale um, would mean that they could sell more STIs at that point in time. Well, I have a hard time hitting on that, I guess. But anyway, yes. yes. To your very, point, very, it's a dumb thing, but yes. Oh, hello. Oh, God. Hi, Shane. Oh. <laughs> uh, hey, Shane. I, was like, I just looked at Mexico, and then I read backward. I'm like, who the... Oh, it's Shane. Got New it. Mexico's a good place. He just bought a FRS. Very good. Done up in... I forget what SCCA standard... But I, it's it's cool. oh very cool that's awesome and it has not had an oil pump failure yet so um what was I gonna oh say? shoot uh, me, me next oh my god yes <laughs> yes you you tell me about this the the Changli we talked about this a long the time the Changli Freeman yes yep yep <laughs> so apparently this not only is still very much in use by the Autopian who now owns it even though it was originally purchased by Jalopnik it was Torchinsky I think bought Jason it Jason Torchinsky yep. <laughs> He has had it on his property for the last two years and has been using it very regularly to do, like, off-road UTV tasks. <laughs> he says it's been very reliable. However, oh, my God, look at those batteries. Those are lead-acid batteries, and they look scuffed. I mean, they look like somebody was in a tanning booth and they forgot to turn the timer off. For those have had a away. life. I think it's time to replace the slightest batteries. <laughs> and I just look how tiny the wires are. I'm just completely blown away. But how is this not on fire? Like, what? I don't know, but it's, I'm so happy that this. Like, oh God, I love that he just parks it outside too. There's, I have to click on a video, unfortunately, to get it. But like, it's it's disgusting. Like this thing has got just tree filth all over it. I love the that little so bull bar much. in the front's all bent up. That's so funny. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> Proof that this $1,000 brand new car from AliExpress is still going two years later. But the $300 batteries you had to buy, maybe not the best. You know, I, now I want to like turn this into a great 18650 project. Like, this should go on it. Lithium iron phosphate is like... You, the battery off the shelf batteries are so similar in voltage and amperage. Yeah, requirements. Just, just just this this needs to go on the eighteen six fifty project or uh, Reddit. No, there's a Reddit called the eighteen okay. the great eighteen six fifty project <laughs> where they just make shit out of like spare eighteen six fifties they find like in discarded electronics. I should give those away to people. I have so many. Yeah, no, seriously, see what like fun things your friends can come up with. My whole barrier to that is I looked into it a couple of years ago because I'm like, I would love to do that. The whole plastic, like, things to make the packs really cheap. The problem is you need one of those spot welding guns to do it because the actual tabs that connect the cells together have to be spot welded. They can't okay. be soldered because it puts too much heat That's into fine. the cell. Just get a spot welding gun. Oh, they're not they're really not cheap. Ooh, actually, fun fact. I found one on AliExpress for $100. Oh, my I'm God. sure it will not be problematic. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong using electricity to weld electricity stuff yeah it, it's like 110 volt as well so <laughs> that, that that seems legit <laughs> 110 with quotation hands yeah. and an asterisk but i'm very happy that the cheng li is still going That's still in existence he is going to put batteries in it for the record so that is an incredible vehicle we'll follow I, up as soon as i hear more on the cheng i love that i'm very happy to hear about that um, so speaking of making things and great projects, yes. in one of my group chats I have, um, we were talking about fake Mugen parts and I have a proposition for the Oval Bore channel. Okay. 
um, Trig owns a lathe, and my friend TJ owns a lathe, and my other friend Joel owns a lathe. And I was thinking what we could do, I have a Mugen Dura Aluminum shift knob, an actual one, have all three of them take measurements of it, make their own knockoffs, anodize them and everything, and then present all four at a car show and have the public judge them and figure out which one's real. That would be pretty cool. I think that would be pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a really, really good video for Oval War is have like, go out to like each of their garages while they're lathing them, show their process that they did, the slightly different processes. Because like there's so many knockoffs of the Mugen Dura aluminum knob. More than the SSQV even. Oh, it's insane. And like well the like Mugen people being the the mentally ill people that they are. Yeah. uh, they like go as far as like actually measure the camphor angle or the chamfer angle on on the little ribs on the side of it. Like if they, the knockoffs are that good where you have to yeah, get that yeah, nitpicky. Yeah. Oof. It's really funny. And like they look at like the exact color of the anodizing on them. Like in a place where the sun doesn't hit it because say, like the factory they've one got an like, original paint sample or an anodizing sample and, and they the, well the, ri- the yeah well the the original anodizing ones they have notoriously terrible anodizing. So actually one of the things is if you see one that sits out in the sun for like two years and it doesn't change color that's how you know it's not real. It's supposed to like fade and look like shit because it was like bad 1990s anodizing. It's <laughs> it's early 2000s, not for rock climbing carabiner. Yeah, it's, like that. it's like yeah, that. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. like that. It's exactly like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that'd actually be really fun to do and like make that into like, some content for the channel. I would follow those people <laughs> around. Right, perfect. <laughs> I'm into that. I will let them know as soon as we're done recording then. Um, oh my, I'm free on weeknights. I'll come brilliant. Down. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they are as well. So, well, anyway, uh, thank you everyone for listening Ooh. and for patrons. Uh, you will be having your shirts soon. And uh, thank me for thank me you, being able to drink these old styles. And we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs>